Welcome, this is the Teaching Excellence Podcast for all things FE, teaching, learning, assessment, quality and possibly a few other things along the way. Hosted by Steph Wilkinson and Jade Gibson, leaders in FE who want to support others and make a difference and hopefully spread a little happiness whilst we're at it. Hello and welcome to the Teaching Excellence podcast. I am joined again today by Joanne Miles. Hi Joanne. Hello Steph, nice to be with you. How are you? I'm really good, thank you. Good, so we um, have kind of got into this little routine of just catching up regularly and um, I really love it actually because we get to talk about what we're both seeing, who we're talking to, what's coming up and then it gets us thinking about just what's going on in terms of quality teaching and learning and we can have a bit of a debate about it can't we so yeah um what have you been up to how have you been I've been doing lots of exciting things and I'm I'm with you in that I think so much is going on that almost we could talk every day and there'd be a new <laughs> thing to discuss because I feel as if the schools and colleges where I'm doing support are evolving new ways of working and things are literally developing by the week. So uh, probably the most exciting thing for me to talk about first, interesting thing, thing with lots of challenges in it, is this notion of the hybrid model that I've experienced as a trainer doing CPD recently. So hybrid model, my understanding is this is around having some learners who are in the physical classroom with you, but simultaneously the rest of the class might be at home streaming it live and there's quite a lot of that going on there's lots of discussion on twitter about it and there's people that are speaking to me and like say with with you about this navigating this new people in different places simultaneously and it's kind of interesting that i feel like it's emerged in schools and colleges as a kind of it's just needed because we haven't got physical space in a distancing way yeah. in rooms. Yes. What's our easier second approach is maybe some of them are at home. So yeah. I almost feel like the decision has come more from practicality than from actually looking at the research. So I started to hear about this initially from colleagues saying, God, it's really complicated to actually have people in two spaces. How, how do we navigate that? Mm-hmm. When I started to read, I thought, let's look at what this thing is. So my understanding is it's called hybrid. The research that I've managed to pick up is mainly emerging from the States. Okay. And a lot of it is from HE, so Mm -hmm. it's a university setting. Yeah, and if you think about the drive for recording lectures and, and yeah, like you say, there are some students that would join a course and be distance learners. Yes. So you can imagine that it has been happening. Yes, absolutely. And in the States, it seems to have merged as a kind of the high flex version, which Mm -hmm. is the choice do I want to be in the in the room doing the seminar or the lecture or actually that week does it suit me to be at home because I've got a commitment later in the day obviously everything is then recorded so that you can access it later so it's kind of a, a customer preference idea emerging from the work in the states here I think it's it's just been adopted for that practical reason the complexity for me is this issue of the skills involved in planning and delivering that but as the initial point of, of trauma, I think a difficulty is the tech. Yeah. The research around it from the States, they say to make it work really effectively for both groups, the ones at home and the ones in the classroom, mm-hmm. we need technology that has significantly high quality microphones in the yeah. classroom yeah. so that the people at home can actually talk to their classmates and not be kind of isolated in these are the people in the virtual box stuck at home, yeah. but they can't actually speak and yeah, hear but- each other well. Yeah, because there's lots of, there's going to be that void between who's speaking where, isn't there? There's a 
there's a gap between speakers, there might be delays, there might be, yes. and how do you interact? How do you get those two groups to interact? And like you say, one not feel isolated from the other. That's right. And the research is suggesting if you don't manage the technology and the classroom skills effectively, what you get is this kind of non-equitable situation in learning yeah. where the ones at home really are kind of watching almost like watching yeah. video can't participate fully can't engage fully and are not really included in terms of adjustments as the session goes on so there's a real challenge about the technology first but the second thing is how to plan activities that would work in both spaces yeah. and whether you're going to actually have the people who are in the virtual boxes say doing a collaborative tasks together if you're working through zoom or through yeah. breakouts in yeah. different platforms could you put them together can you therefore do a group task in the room? Mm. But then the complexity is the timing and the sequencing. My experience in blended learning is you need to chunk things down quite small. Yes. And as I'm doing more of it online, I'm realizing the chunks need to keep up momentum need to be quite small. So maybe five minutes on a topic, doing a discussion, talking about slides, doing Q&A, and then moving to something different is what's needed. Yeah. Whereas in a classroom, you can sustain much longer yeah tasks with yeah. more depth and more interaction so trying to think about your planning in terms of suiting both spaces and this is, is where, way like, more complex than people so, thought it's so complex and you have if you start and we always talk about pedagogy first yes yes pedagogy and people first exactly you know and and how you um use those sort of principles to drive what you do that but then you do you have this additional layer of complexity which is about how you ensure it's not an unequal experience totally right for, for both groups and i know um people are the things that i'm seeing or hearing is that things take quite a lot longer absolutely um think absolutely the pace is much slower uh-huh that like you say um the chunks need to be smaller yes and and the the um instructions wow need to be much clearer crystal and, clear and very specific totally with you and i think yeah. those watching people and also trying it myself in the last couple of weeks yeah. i think the instructions need to be verbal they need to be reinforced verbally they need to be visually available on the yeah. screen Yes. on the slides if you're putting them into breakout they need to be in the chat box or on the google form or the microsoft form that people yeah. are using because there's this loss of focus and loss of task completion often because the instructions aren't maybe placed in the right form and in the right place. Yeah. And then the, and then the other part of the discussion, which is actually quite exciting. And, you know, this is probably where people need to reflect on what technology they're using. And it's not about tech. We always have this conversation like it's not about technology for technology's sake. Yes. It's about the technology is the solution to a challenge. Exactly. It's the vehicle so, or the tool. Yes. And the challenge at this point is how do you get we all know collaborative working is powerful. Mm. How do you create that? Either, we'll talk about purely online in a minute, but how do you get people working together if they're in two different spaces? Absolutely. Or even in the same space, so some will be online, some are in the classroom, but in a socially distanced wow. way, physically. Absolutely. So this is where the technology, you know, shared, shared documents or shared whether it be an online whiteboard whether it be you know google have jamboard whether exactly. it's google docs whether it's whatever that shared space is whether it's padlet you know yes all good. of those things then you can get anybody in any wherever they are in the world ultimately to 
input, record their thoughts, put their thinking down in whatever that space is that's that's the use of technology. Absolutely. Um, so what I'm hearing people do that, and I'm hearing that there's real successes with that. But again, it's that it's the you've got to get familiar with it. You've got to use it. You've got to know where you're putting your instructions. And, Completely. And um, so it's it is a big ask. The solutions are there. Yes. There are people out there sharing how they're using these things, um, which is great. Yes. Um, I, I went and attended a little webinar um on development of maths and technology and uh -huh. there's lots of thinking at the minute around maths english which is amazing and how technology can really enhance um that at the minute so but yeah it's it's really interesting because you don't have the same even the teacher from a socially distanced perspective in the classroom doesn't have the same you can't move around the same, you can't do the same, you can't be the same in that space. Absolutely. And then to have students online as well. Completely. There's so much to think about. Some people have said to me, some teachers who've been doing this for the last couple of weeks have said they're doing things like two main approaches really with the collaboration if they've got some students in class and some at home. They've been having all the computers in the classroom for the ones who are live in the room. Yeah. So the students are logging on so that if there's a collaborative task, they can be paired with somebody at home to work on a, a Microsoft Teams doc yeah. or a Google doc or on a Padlet, for example, yeah. on a virtual wall where they can store ideas together. Yeah. They then got the main screen up where you can see the virtual image of the people at home you've got the chat field visible so everybody can interact in the chat the teacher can be drawing comments from there which are linked to the people at home or the people in the room mm -hmm. and also at certain points they can bring people to the screen to talk so this notion of hot seat in the room is quite interesting getting somebody in the classroom to come up really quite close to the main screen where the people at home are watching and be able to comment and talk and that's emerged from people just thinking how do i get people to feel closer yeah and part of that is the screen coming up close like you and i are so that i could talk to you at home yeah and feel connected instead of sitting way back in a room mm. so i think you're right there are ways to make it work but that implies completely different thinking in your planning mm -hmm. as you said the tech skills to be able to execute that smoothly and not bog down your lesson and what i've noticed trying some of this is one of the problems for the teacher is you're then paying attention to mechanics right yes. you're going does yeah. my Padlet link work? Who's who? How many have I got? Am I pairing that one with that one? Can I, is my breakout okay? You're yeah. not focusing actually on learning and people mm. in the same way, which I think is part of the challenge with all of these new things that we're trying to adopt. Yeah. It's like the example of you going back to that place of thinking about what you, the ins and outs, and there are benefits of that. Yes. Because as a we are ultimately thinking about teaching learning as a practice yes evolving teaching learning as a practice real time yes dealing with the challenges that we face and the the trying to find the solutions um but it's it is a lot and it's a lot to juggle pressure pressure so much pressure and and the and the amount of overwhelm that people will be feeling and then I keep thinking about how when you're that overloaded and you feel and it's that challenging you you're slightly more reluctant to keep trying new things all the time because you that's get right. burnout out with thinking <laughs> that's right and it's like yeah. this kind of innovation fatigue of I'm having to innovate and feel like I'm on thin ice all the time yeah. the other day I tried something where I thought actually is it going to work if 
and that the task that I've designed would work really beautifully in the room in distanced groups. It could also work virtually in breakout, but it might be tweaked. So I, in the end, I made two slightly different versions on my instructions yeah. and I put my breakout cluster together in the box and then I left the ones in the room. I wasn't even in the building. So I had a facilitator, I mean, it was mad. I had a facilitator in the room being my kind of face on the ground, but actually that meant that the ones in the room could do more room type activity, which as you said, is, is different from yes. what might work in the box. So I think there's also this option in hybrid of actually having two slightly different tasks operating so that that means you can plan to make the most of each space. Yeah, and what we don't want is people having to do two lots of everything. No. But as we get cleverer or smarter yeah. or efficient, and hopefully we continue with the ethos of sharing, collaboration, Absolutely. it is about helping people to think through yeah. how it might be tweaked ever so slightly. That doesn't mean lots more work, no. but allows for the tweaking and the adaptation for the two different groups. Totally right, because the other problem I think is if we don't think about the classroom as a physical classroom space, what we're really doing is operating in online learning in terms of our methodology. Those learners in the classroom, unless they're getting a classroom focused experience, may as well be at home on computer as well. Yeah. So, yeah. so the thing about actually, I'm in a classroom, I want to use interact, I want to use small whiteboards, I want to use flip chart paper and post-its in socially distanced ways. I want the groups to sit separately, but be able to talk in a human way across yeah. maybe 15 minutes. Yeah. yeah, so I think we want to try and keep the best of both spaces, but the amount of thinking that that is involving for people, I can really see that challenge of workload. Yeah, and I think creativity I'm, I'm passionate at the minute and we usually do chat about the solutions. We always yeah. are solutions focused and we chat about how we can navigate the challenges without dismissing how challenging it is completely no totally agree. and I think if we think about the solutions in this part this is where coaching teams mm -hmm. the people who are in colleges who are not people to go around and tell people how to teach no. they are the people that can help people teachers to think through their planning totally think through their nuances their challenges the the needs of their classrooms and and it's almost like I've always been really passionate about collaborative planning because I think yes. it's really powerful it's so great um and it's it has a big payoff you know to have someone who is a coach working with someone to help think through but not tell them how to teach you know that's, that's two different things but helping people to think through and collaboratively plan and and I found you can't sit there and help someone to plan for their full timetable no. but if you spend the one or two hours a week planning collaborative planning at one of the sessions for the following week that person can then apply those principles across their whole, yes their whole teaching load it's like getting a skeleton or a template, isn't it, of how it could work. Yeah. You can then drop different activities or different tech into that, but it's almost getting a sense of this is how I might do a little bit of presenting content. These are two options for doing my conversation work because we want it to be interactive. This is yeah. two ways I might do pair work. Yeah. This is how I might do the plenary. And that then becomes your skeleton of I can use that again yeah. and again and again, and that will save people on the prep time. I think you're absolutely right. The processing, the thinking it out together, 
together, I think it's really important to have those conversations because as we think, we start to problem solve, we start to think about options, we start to make the choices instead of just jumping to, oh, this is the way I feel maybe most comfortable or that I'm used to doing it, yeah. that may not be good for fit for purpose at the moment. So I think those conversations with coaches and advanced practitioners and colleagues that you trust are going to be invaluable for people absolutely with you on that and i can't remember if i said this last time but i am convinced if you scrapped all other cpd for this year and just created those spaces for people to collaboratively plan and think through what they were doing yeah invaluable would be huge impact still and so much support because people are definitely some people are feeling strained already some people are feeling isolated underskilled we need to continue to build those spaces we need discussions in team meetings we need virtual professional learning communities we need the coaches dropping in if people are actually yeah, in like, classrooms I feel quite, rooms. yeah really passionate about just ditch the notices yeah notices on a, on an email or, or in a yeah. different place that people can read or do do a recorded completely briefing of messages 10 minute yeah, briefing. podcast the messages yeah. yeah do the space thinking together stuff completely. you notice is different and so a challenge slash support anyone to do that and just yes. see the difference in people feeling supported um because i think it's really important one of the other thing that's cropping up in, in a few different places is where people are teaching completely online right and then having or feeling the need or having the instruction yes to mark slash give feedback on literally everything that's produced within a lesson wow and i haven't i'm obviously not doing that at the minute but yes in the conversation i'm trying to get to the bottom of what's going on and so the idea is that because you're not in the classroom, there's the, they've upped the ante on the amount of feedback or the amount of marking that's happening. Yeah. So that, you know, if the task is about write a paragraph on this, whether it's on their own or whether it's together, then they're being collected in and the tutors are marking every single sort of effort that's made online. Um, and I think that is total... Uh, like that's going to cause us some real problems if we're not careful. I think that's really not sustainable. And I'd really question whether it's actually desirable or needed in terms of learning improvement. So if you think about formative assessment, getting learners to do self and peer reflection, yeah. helping learners to, to make, well, teachers to signal error and get yeah. learners to recorrect re their own work using, you know, dirt. So directed yeah. improvement and reflection time, which is something that is really kind of coming to life in many settings those approaches which are triggering action from the learner, I think are way more valuable than a teacher plowing through every single thing that's been submitted. Yeah, I mean- I That's not I, productive use of the time necessarily. No, people are feeling completely overwhelmed. Um, there's now sort of, I mean, we haven't quantified it really, but you know, three, four times the amount of marking. Wow. And that was, that was a biggie anyway. Completely. And that's always been a problem. Enough for the, the big report around marking, yes. you know, from Education Endowment Foundation. Yeah, I, think. Um, I, I went, that was the place that I went straight to and I, I'm pointing over there because if I've got it up on my screen. Okay. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of research around feedback. We know this, there's lots of evidence about the power of feedback Yes. Um, and the use of formative assessment to yes. improve slash, you know, um, enhance teaching and learning. So 
what I'm aware of is that the principles of everything we know are, we can't just directly apply them to everything we're currently doing because we haven't been in the situation that we're right. in at the minute. However, for me, the principles are the principles and let's just start there. Let's not make up something from a place of fear. No, 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 no. And a place of in insecurity and not understanding, maybe. Yes. Let's go to the let's go to the evidence. Let's go to the um, research. Let's look at the stuff that's come out of all the research. Yes. And that doesn't mean the reason I like the Education Endowment Foundation is because it's really readable. Yes. It's really, it you don't we as a sector we don't need to wade through research paper after research paper. It's all in their teacher learning toolkit. I think it's that's right because they're summary. They're reviewing. It's like meta review, isn't yeah. it? Meta analysis of, yeah, of other so research the summaries and it's very easy so there's a bit on feedback that i'm looking at at the minute it mentions peer and self marking exactly. because review. it's active yeah it's got a written marking review on there i'm looking at it on the screen um, and all of that does not tell us yeah. that we need to mark or comment on every piece of students thinking or work or submission I think the problem for me is that actually marking in and of itself, so the teacher just sitting and putting marks on something and then giving it to students is not the same as feedback that drives feed forward action, yes. right? So for me, the important thing is, am I feeding back key messages for the individual in the group? Mm. And am I making sure they do something with that? Mm. Because otherwise it's just marking, which is just administrative bureaucracy almost of looking at something and writing some comments on it. Yeah. For me, it's the next steps that are the important things. So things like group marking, where yeah. you look at a series of pieces of work, you skim read a series of pieces of work and you pull out key messages to give your class. Yeah. And then feeding that back through a document, feeding it back through a sound file, using something like Vocaroo, feeding yeah. it back in the live learning and saying, actually, here are six messages for the group yes. about that last piece of that work. Can we now review together? That's yeah. useful for the learning and the shifting behavior and skills going forward. That's yeah. where I think we need to pay attention. Yeah, and that I used to do that in the HE groups actually yeah. because they were really keen to get some feedback very quickly. Yes. When you've got a, a biggish group, you can't mark them all in, you know, we had, I think it was 14 days turnaround time. Uh -huh. But within the first three or four days, I would read maybe four or five of them. I'd get four or five marked and I was able to give them sort of five or six pieces of information that yeah. said, this is generally what's being done well uh-huh these are the common things that probably could be better great so they had um a bit of a reflection uh-huh quickly it meant then they had a bit of an idea whether they thought they'd done good or not um before they got their full feedback but the other bit of that was that it was always it was either on a slide and I went through it at the beginning of like one of the lessons uh -huh. or it was recorded or it was written on a document and I put it on the VLE yes so that every time after that that they did an assignment whether it was for my module or a different module they could look at that and use it to help inform how to improve their work absolutely in somebody else's module on a different subject completely because it was always written in a way that was about like that helped with feed forward, the feed forward. Yes. it's so, like the common it's like the common mistakes checklist that I used to use a lot and lots of teachers I work with are, are really adopting where you think about in that assignment what are the common things that people have problems with yeah and you have like five ways to have problems on this assignment and five ways to do well 
yeah. and you're kind of front loading that information to try and make them able to yeah. think about avoiding the pitfalls and following the advice. Yeah. So I think we need to be much more thoughtful, much more evidence based yes. about how we're bringing approaches to marking and feedback into the online spaces. I, I'm totally with you. Otherwise, we're going to bog down all that time with something that won't necessarily drive improvement. Yeah, and this is where technology can be the solution to the challenge. Uh -huh. So how can we use technology to get the peer, peer marking and collaboration? Yes. We'll yes. talk about collaboration a little bit because that's popping up. But you know, how do we use technology to do that? How do we enhance self-reflection through coaching models and yes. what I call like supercharged coaching questions yeah how can we use those coaching questions to help students reflect on their work what do they need to do to improve the power of metacognition self-regulation yeah. uh -huh. the evidence is there absolutely um, and how can we do that and then the other bit of technology that can help us to enhance um feedback I think is the recording whether that's just an audio file or because I'm a very visual person if someone recorded over um, a PowerPoint slide or a document yes. to explain something yes that would probably land really well with me like um, loom is great for that isn't it yeah. where you can put your slides up that have the points yes or you can share your document that has the comments on yeah. and then you can either talk over with yourself being visible in the corner or you can just be not visible which i think yeah. is quite great for not distracting people and then it's it's saved as a, a url link that you can then email to your students so it's really really easy really quick and it's just a, a plug-in on your chrome toolbar yeah, and you can just like you say, you can just put the you can just put that video in in your VLE completely. And and you not you know I'm like anti email. Um, yeah. but you can you don't even have to. It just becomes part of the learning journey. Completely. then. that's you know? right. You can sit in one place like in a repository that people yeah. can then learn to access gradually. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, it's really interesting. I think that's where if we can amplify the solutions around feedback and. And like I say, it's not really about the marking, but there will be tools that help people to mark easier, quicker, or give more feedback. Um, but it's about the efficiency. This is where I'm really passionate about, this is where we need to be clever about the innovation. Yeah. You know, this is where we don't need to innovate and innovate till we get innovation fatigue. We need to look at where are the bottlenecks. That's right. What are the things that are having the biggest impact on well-being at this point? Completely. And how can we use technology to be a solution to those things? Absolutely agree with you. And and a lot of that comes back to what you said about putting the pedagogy at the center and then selecting the tool that suits. So it's grounding everything in actually for learning, we need interaction. We need to present information in thought-provoking ways. We need learners to be able to practice. Yes. And we need to be able to give feedback that drives feed forward. It's which tools, choosing one or two tools that will suit our toolkit to enable us to embody that pedagogy in our practice. Yeah. It's not finding 28,000 things to do that. It's not marking every single word that a learner writes on a collaborative document. No. I mean, I think some of these practices, we've really got to ground ourselves back in what do we know about how learning works and how our practice has evolved and not go off down a cul-de-sac and to me that sounds like a real cul-de-sac and really dangerous for people's mental health and well-being for me it, I'm, I'm laughing now because I have when I'm really visual so when you say down a cul-de-sac for me I went <laughs> like white water rapid <laughs> go okay even worse <laughs> Yeah. A bit treacherous there might be a waterfall off the edge of it oh, um, but yeah it's it's not 
first and foremost, we need to be thinking about innovation that's going to support well-being. And yes. one of the things that I've been thinking about recently, and I've put out um, some stuff, is around quality improvement to support teacher well-being. If we're innovative with the teaching and learning and the technology, we will we we won't buy back anybody's time. You know, but I doubt we're going to get to a place where technology will save us so many hours that we sat around twiddling our thumbs. That's never going to happen. No, no. No, no. You know, in the sector that we're in, it's just never going to happen. But we can use the technology to find the solutions to support well-being. Yes. And, because what is happening in places because people are a bit fearful is not like you say not sustainable no and we've so got to be thoughtful because at this point in the year i feel like we've only just started things are getting worse if we're honest pretty much all over the country to differing degrees it's going to get more disruptive than now and we're going to have to snap back in and out of these models we're going to have to master some learners at home some teachers at home Yes. sometimes we're going to have to be fully online inevitably I think that's going to come at yeah. some point which is again is a different way of thinking about your planning so we're going to have to keep flexing our approach and have that confidence that we're clear on actually when I'm structuring it for online it's bite-sized yeah. it's this for them to interact it's this for me to give feedback and it's this for me to do plenaries for example having a, a kind of basic toolkit that isn't too overwhelming would really put people into a good position as we go further into the autumn. And I think sprawling out into marking everything, having 10 ways of giving feedback, all of these approaches will actually bog people down and make people feel more overwhelmed, which is not the idea. No, and we've got to keep it simple. I've just wrote that down in my piece. Keep it simple. We've got to be keep it simple. Just let's keep peeling it back. Yes. What back. do we really need? Yes. What do we need and what yes. do we know? Yes, yes, yes. Let's stay in that place. And then it doesn't matter which tool you use. And it's yes. not about just using one. It's not about using a hundred. It's, no. it's just over time. And this is where, you know, like supportive experiments and like you say, professional learning communities yeah. like really comes into its own. Completely. Because if it is, you know, if if you choose and it's hard to choose one priority at the minute, I understand that. But yeah. if it is that formative assessment is the biggie for you uh, or your team or your college, then let's focus our conversations and our collaborative planning and our sharing in that space. Yes. And then really help each other to do that well. Absolutely. And maybe choose two tech tools that will enable it. So instead of going, here are 20 tools that could, yeah. it's actually... This is our purpose in terms of teaching, learning, and pedagogy. Can we choose two things that will help us yeah. to do that? Are we going to do some polling? Yes. Are we going to create a virtual wall where learners can put reflective comments, like by using Padlet, for example? We don't need more in the toolkit than is needed. I think we do need to keep coming back to that. Otherwise, people are feeling this pressure to become a singing and dancing online designer, which I think is not what it's about. No, definitely not. We could... Um chat about all things because there's tons that we've already we've mentioned before we recorded but I think we've covered a lot there today actually and yeah. we'll we we wanted to talk a little bit about collaboration and we'll I think for me at the minute there's a little bit more thinking there to do but I don't I'm I'm aware that we might go down a route where online learning doesn't fully utilize collaborative learning because yeah. we've not quite worked out how to do it I think that's really a smart point yeah insightful I think I'm hearing lots of teachers say they realize now they're getting quite good at doing a powerpoint with voiceover yeah. or um, making a short video clip using a variety of different tools mm. and so they're kind of giving content 
but maybe they're starting to realize that they're, they're giving the content, but they're not getting as much interaction from that. Mm -hmm. So some people have said to me on things like video, they've realized if they record a video or source a video and then they put it into Edpuzzle or mm -hmm. H5P, mm -hmm. they can embed tasks in, questions in. Yeah. And they can then watch on the system and look at how learners are interacting with that. Yeah. And that helps them get a sense of actually that the learners have interacted with the resource. Mm -hmm. The next stage is how do I build a task into my live learning session that encourages the learners to discuss or reflect or take the thinking forward related to the material that they've looked at in their own time. So it's building that bridge between what they do at home with the resources and how we build the collaboration in the live session also how we can build collaborative space for them talking on a, on a Google form or yeah. on a Microsoft form, something where they're actually putting thoughts together when they're at home. Yeah, because we know the power of collaborative learning, the evidence shows us collaborative learning is powerful. Absolutely. And I think there is some more thinking to do and I'll be interested, I'm gonna try and speak to some more people, I mm -hmm. think specifically about collaborative learning, yeah. interested in what people are doing. But you know, in the classroom, you might um, plan and structure a, group work activity so now it's again finding the technology that, al that allows you to provide the solution to still do that that's right because otherwise learners could just start to get a little bit bored of the same completely one-dimensional sort of receiving of information and interacting with information but not necessarily working with others and together applying it in a group sort of situation absolutely yeah, and, that, and to get high quality of that i think is that is maybe the next challenge yes Big challenge here, Joanne. More to talk about. <laughs> Lots more to talk about. Like you say, we could probably record every day. Every day, um, yeah. So lovely to see you and to have you Great. and to chat to you. So um, thanks so much and I'll speak to you soon. Great. Thanks for that. Bye, Joanne. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Teaching Excellence podcast. Leave us a voice message in Anchor. Tweet us and let us know what you think or what you want to hear on the show. Tune in next week for more. Have an amazing week and be the best version of you.